Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We begin tonight with huge breaking news. Putin is dead. I say again, Putin is dead. Yes, Putin, the 12-year-old Siberian tiger at the Minnesota Zoo, died during a routine procedure this week. And that's very sad. But if we've learned anything from the media with Putin dead, inflation rates are going to drop. Gas is going to get cheaper. The war will soon be over. The 2016 election is going to get reversed. And maybe, just maybe, Kamala Harris will now be smart. Yes, with the death of Putin, finally, all of the world's problems have been solved. R.I.P. Putin. In lieu of flowers, please send Jen Psaki some new excuses. Stu does America. Support The Blaze and its mission at blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is sue to save you 10 bucks. USA Today is going full insane on the definition of the word woman. We'll get into that. The left uses uh, Clarence Thomas's wife against him. But we start by doing the woke antidote. How do you fix the whole wokeness problem if you're some big company? Not like this. Disney had a big walkout going on, and they had a walkout flop. Yes, more turned out in Florida or against the Florida don't say gay bill in Los Angeles than they did in Florida, which doesn't make much sense unless this has nothing to do with Florida whatsoever. Uh, however, we should note the showing in Orlando. An all day walk- walkout was planned for Tuesday by Disney's LGBTQIA plus no two spirits in there, I noticed community and their allies. But only one Disney employee could be found protesting outside Disney's Walt, Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida, clothing to a, a local NBC affiliate. The employee, Nicholas Maldonado, was not scheduled to work. <laughs> that's not a protest. He just stopped by on his day off. That's, that's something totally different. Uh, we have talked about what you do as a company to try to solve this woke this, uh, disease that is spread throughout Uh, our version of capitalism. And it's kind of a difficult thing for most companies. Now, stay with me here for a second, because we know there are companies that have a leftist agenda. Those those are real. A lot of companies are like that. They'll tell you about it. They like to be very out front with the left wing agenda that they are supporting and giving money to. Those companies exist and they're real. And no matter what, you're not going to change those companies. They're going to be left-leaning companies. And there are a few conservative companies that do the same type of thing. I mean, the blaze would be one, right? We're not going to be like, well, I don't know. I think we're going to go a little more neutral. No, we have a point of view and we don't mind telling you that we have a point of view. But there are a lot of companies in the middle, a lot of companies that they may have their own individual political beliefs, but generally speaking, they're there to make money. They're there to make products. They're there to better the community in whatever way they can. Uh, it might be, if it's Disney, you'd think it would be making kids have fun at their park with their giant talking mouse that really should terrify children. I mean, I, if you've ever seen a normal-sized mouse run, run, mouse run through a house, 
you know how much it freaks out everybody inside. So I don't know why a giant talking mouse would be soothing to children, but somehow it is. Disney is not one of these companies, though. They've decided to go far, far to the left. But let me give an example um, of a different way to go. But first, let me give you an outline of how crazy Disney is getting. And we talked about this this week. This is kind of like a good wrap up of the week's topics. This is uh, not a new story. It's from, I think, a, you know, a few months ago. Uh, but I want to give you this. This is from uh, her name is Walden. She's one of the heads over at uh, Disney. She says, I will tell you for the first time, we received some incredibly well-written scripts that did not satisfy our standards in terms of inclusion. And we passed on them. She said to moderator Janice Min, a contributing editor at Time, Walden said that one script revolved around, you're not going to believe this, a white family. Oh, my gosh. While diversity and inclusion would likely come from the neighbors or other minor roles. Pass, she said. That's not going to get on the air anymore because that's not what our audience wants. That's not a reflection of our audience. And I feel good about the direction we're moving. Do you? So you're going to give crappier shows because there's not enough different skin colors in the cast or there are plenty of different skin colors, but they live next door instead of in the house themselves. That's that's how you get something like cheaper by the dozen that we made fun of earlier this week. So what direction are they going into? Well, it is programming that is by BIPOC storytellers for BIPOC audiences curated by executives of color high-level leaders inside our organization. Like, I don't know, maybe just make a good show and let whoever wants to watch it, watch it. That's not Disney, though. They have become an ideological organization, and you could see it in their actions on a day-to-day basis. But what else do you do? As we know, the left will come out. They will boycott you. They will protest. One guy who doesn't work isn't working that day, will show up in front of your theme park and say how bad you are. And do you want that to happen? These people seem to have absolutely no spine whatsoever. And if you run a company, you're just dodging bullets all the time. You're just trying to stay away from the woke mob for another day. How do we stay alive? How do we stay off of Twitter? How do we stay out of the news? That's a terrible motivation for a company. Your company should have a different message altogether. And I want to give you an example of this and revisit something we talked about a few uh, months ago. Coinbase is a company, if you don't know them, they are a cryptocurrency company, probably the biggest one uh, out there, at least in in America. Uh, And they are kind of, you know, you could buy Bitcoin there, you could buy Ethereum there, you could buy, you know, probably 100 different cryptocurrencies there. They'll store it for you. There's all sorts of services they do, but it's all around cryptocurrency. And their CEO, uh, Brian Armstrong, decided to say, you know what? What if we try something different? There was the typical things you'd expect, especially out of a tech company, popping up, which were things like, you know, internal uh, divisions over politics and people trying to protest and and, you know, get people uh, they're getting at each other's throats over different solutions to problems. So he decided to make his policy public. And let me review it here with you uh, if you haven't seen it yet. Everyone is asking the questions about how companies can engage in broader societal issues during these difficult times while keeping their teams united and focused on the mission. Coinbase has had its own challenges here, including employee walkouts. I decided to share publicly how I'm addressing this in case it helps others navigate a path through these challenging times. All right. Here's some of the bullet points. Policy decisions. If there's a bill introduced around crypto, we may engage here. 
but we normally wouldn't engage in policy decisions around health care or education, for example. Broader societal issues. We don't engage here when issues are unrelated to our core mission because we believe impact only comes with focus. Yeah. Political causes. We don't advocate for any particular causes or candidates internally that are unrelated to our mission because it is a distraction from our mission. Even if we all agree something is a problem, we may not all agree on the solution. In short, I want Coinbase to be laser focused on achieving its mission because I believe that this is the way we can have the biggest impact on the world. We will do this by playing as a championship team, focus on building and being transparent about what our mission is and isn't. We will fight to get on the same page when we have differences, support each other and create team cohesion. Assume positive intent. What an important lesson that is for your entire life Every relationship, learn that if you haven't already. If you're one of these little boys and girls out there trying to form your life and make, it, uh, make your way through it, that is one of the most important pieces of advice I can possibly give you. Assume positive intent. When you're dealing with someone, assume positive intent. You don't want to get rolled over. You have to be honest with yourself, but don't go into every situation thinking they're attacking you all the time, because normally that's not the case. Assume positive intent, put the company goals ahead of our teams or individual goals. We won't, at Coinbase as they go on, debate causes or political candidates internally that are unrelated to, I don't know, work. Expect the company to represent our personal beliefs externally. They won't do that because you know what? That's not what a company is supposed to do. Assume we will not assume negative intent or not have each other's back. And we will not take on activism outside of our core mission at work. This is a different path than you're seeing from so many companies across the country. It doesn't seem like a difficult path, does it? Doesn't it seem like the basic thing a company can do, look, we're here to work. Let's do the work while we're here. If there's a big issue that's popping up around, like, let's say, cryptocurrency, then we can address that and we may have some positions to advocate. But if it's not about cryptocurrency, well, what are we doing? If it's not about the sandwiches we're making, why are we talking about it? If it's not about the, the washer and dryer sets we're selling, what are we blabbing about, right? That's what work has always been, I think. I never came to, I mean, this place, of course, is a little bit different in that we do have a pretty specific mission. But I mean, I worked at an, a, a, a furniture delivery company uh, scheduling incredible uh, installations and deliveries, by the way. Uh, you probably have some of uh, the office furniture that I delivered to your house years and years ago. But I will say this, never did we get into some big public advocacy uh, competition. You just made sure the furniture showed up on time. Made sure the customers were happy. That's what we were supposed to do. That was our job. We made the world better by doing that in our own little way. And that's what work has always been. But now all of a sudden, even if your work has nothing to do with political advocacy, you have to include it in your company. And that's insane. But is this a, a path that companies can, can get through? Does it work? You know, I mean, it's one thing to say all that stuff. Does it work? We've seen plenty of companies. Even Disney sort of signaled a version of this at one point, but they've bailed on it out of terror over their own employees. Well, Coinbase decided to update everybody on the situation. And here's what the CEO, Brian Armstrong, said. He said, it's been about a year since my mission-focused blog post. It wasn't easy to go through at the time, but looking back, it turned out to be one of the most positive changes I've made at Coinbase, and I'd recommend it to others. 
We have much more of a much more aligned company now where we can focus on getting work done toward our mission. And it has allowed us to hire some of the best talent from organizations where employees are fed up with politics, infighting and distraction. Yes, you, your company can also attract those people, the same people, the people who want to be there to do work. They will show up. They will want to apply to your business if you talk about this stuff. And those people are usually the people who get everything done at your office anyway. Why not have more of them? Goes on. One of the biggest concerns around our stance was that it would impact our diversity numbers. This is fascinating. Since my post, we've grown our headcount by about 110%, while our diversity numbers have remained the same or even improved on some metrics. Several people told me this would never happen when I circulated the original draft internally. It turns out there are people from every background who want to work at a mission-focused company. While the media reports were mostly negative and even spawned some retaliatory and intellectually dishonest hit pieces, the reaction both from employees and people I spoke to in private was overwhelmingly positive. The only sense I can make of it is that there is a huge mismatch between people's stated and revealed preferences right now. So true. And we're operating in an environment of virtue signaling and fear of speaking up. The biggest lesson I, t- I took while uh, I took away from the whole ordeal is that if you believe if believe something is the right path, it's worth speaking up about it, even if it's controversial. Yes. Yes, it is true. Do what you're supposed to do. Move forward. Don't get bogged down in this and make a difference, not just for your own company, but for everybody. Because when there's examples like this, other companies will look at this and say, Hey, I think we can do that, too. Why not? Look, the truth is that people don't want diversity. They want merit. The good news is if you do merit right, you automatically get diversity. You don't need to pander to people's skin color. Tolerance shouldn't mean you are tolerating your employees tanking your company. Work is not the place for your dumb environmental cause. It is not the place for you to advocate for fewer babies to survive. And I'm sorry. I am so, so sorry. But work is not the place for your heroic attempts to raise skin color back to the pinnacle of human existence. Work is for work. Companies that believe that need to be proactive to protect that concept. It's not enough to cower quietly in the closet, hoping that Michael Myers doesn't open the door. Eventually, he always opens the door. And by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this from the past, but he's always carrying a machete. If you are not prepared for the opening of the door from Michael Myers, you will fold. I promise you. He will kill you. You are not Jamie Lee Curtis. You are the dumb babysitter who is hooking up with her boyfriend. To be Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween and to survive the vicious and deranged serial killer of the woke mob, you need to have clear foundational principles and you need to state them loudly and openly. Work is not the place for your politics. When I'm paying you, work. When I'm not paying you, be as dumb as you want to be. And that is a two-way street, by the way. The stupid politics you engage in when you're home, that's not going to affect your job here. I'm not going to judge you for them. You won't get fired for them. 
What you will get fired for is bringing that crap to work. Your job is not supposed to be your entire life. It can be rewarding and interesting, and it should align with your values to some degree, or at least not run in direct opposition. If it does, move along. Find something else. This job is supposed to be a small part of a civilization. Hopefully, you know, all you can do is hopefully make a positive influence in some way. And hopefully it gives you a little bit of money so you can have a place to live and pay your bills and give you a little time away to then do what you want. When you're here, do your job. When you're gone, go ahead. Be an idiot. Just don't run your mouth at work because I promise you, no one wants to hear about it. So does CBD work? Over 90% of doctors say their patients have used CBD to treat a health condition. And when 9 out of 10 patients use it, kind of speaks volumes about how safe and effective it can be. So try CBDistillery.com. With over 2 million customers and counting, CB Distillery is the source to trust for CBD. If you have sleeping problems, 90% of their customers said CB Distillery will help them with, their, uh, with, your, with the sleeping issues. Uh, if you have nagging discomfort, the same survey stated that 80% of their customers found that CBD helped. So why not give it a shot? CBDistillery.com, you can go order online. No prescription is required. If you enter the fantastic code SDA, Stu does America, SDA, you'll get 20% off. Again, enter, enter SDA for 20% off at cbdistillery.com. It's not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You may have known that already, but now you definitely know it. It's cbdistillery.com. The code is SDA, cbdistillery.com. All right, heading into the weekend, I needed a little extra time to rant about uh, maybe the craziest story of the week. Here's Katanji Brown-Jackson answering a very simple question from Marsha Blackburn. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. Of <laughs> hey, come on. I'm not a biologist. How can I possibly answer that? incredibly obvious and basic question. You have to be a specialist in a field to be able to do that. Always lean on the expert, boys and girls. Um, scientists uh, apparently all agree on this, that her answer was basically perfect, with one exception. We'll get into that exception in a minute. Uh, Marsha Blackburn asked Katanji Brown-Jackson to define woman. Science says there's no simple answer. So let's look into what they say scientists say. You'll note many of the quotes from people backing the position that it's a difficult question are not scientists. But we'll get to that here in a second. Scientists, gender law scholars, and philosophers of biology. I mean, again, is, are those scientists? Scientist part is, but gender law scholars and philosophers of biology said Jackson's response was commendable. Okay, first of all, how could it possibly be commendable? I mean, it, she didn't even answer it. She just avoided it. Obviously, she was trying to avoid it. But they did have one problem with her answer, and that problem was clear. It was misleading, in the words of USA Today. 
It's useful, they say, that Jackson suggested science could help answer Blackburn's question, but they know that a competent biologist would not be able to offer a a definitive answer either. Scientists agree. No word, no dissent here. No sign of any disagreement on this, but no, scientists agree there is no sufficient way to clearly define what makes someone a woman. Incredible. Uh, Now, we get into the experts part of the program. I don't want to see this question punted to biology as if science can offer a simple definitive answer, said Rebecca Jordan Young, a scientist and gender studies scholar at Barnard. I mean, could you possibly go to a more biased source than a gender studies scholar at Barnard? Uh, what's interesting here is you go and you ask, hey, we, we, have a, we need to go to an expert on uh, whether we can define what a man or a woman was. Well, the average person knows. They're experts on it, honestly. They've been able to, they could tell, like, right at birth, like, instantly. They just look, open their eyes, and they can tell immediately. However, when you need an uh, intellectual expert in the topic, the problem is there's no intellectual experts who are conservative who would ever go into this field. <laughs> so everyone they call is just some crazy person. Now, there are a few exceptions to this, but they never get called. In fact, their books get banned. When they talk about these things, their books get banned. We've talked to Dr. Deborah So, for example, about this, who doesn't agree with everything that conservatives agree with politically by any means. I don't think she would describe herself that way at all. But she just has a vision of, I don't know, reality about these topics. So they don't call her. Another one here. Uh, While traditional notions of sex and gender suggest a simple binary, if you were born with a penis, you are male and identify as a man. First of all, you don't identify as a man when you when you're born with a penis. You are one. You just are one. That is how this works. You can try to make up all these fancy definitions for these words that don't don't exist. But there's there's truth. These words mean things. And this is what they mean. Uh, They say uh, if you you identify as a man and if you were born with a vagina, you are female and identify as a woman. The reality, gender experts say, is more complex. Again, there are no conservative gender experts to go talk to. And if you can find one, they are ostracized from the community and never get quoted in any publication. So this just continues to feed itself. The definitions change because people write articles and they say, I don't know, who's the expert? Expert, Barnard College. And that's where they go. There are at least six different biological markers of sex in the body. Are you ready for them? Let's talk about the six. Genitals, chromosomes, gonads, internal reproductive structures, hormone ratios, and secondary sex characteristics. All right, let's just try to figure this out. Again, they keep telling us these questions are so difficult. Let's actually apply their dumb list of six things, in addition, of course, to just saying uh, penis or vagina. You have uh, genitals. Well, that's, that one's pretty clear. We know, we've seen the pictures and, uh, of our friend Leah Thomas, and they're not... Ugh. Uh, chromosomes. All right. Chromosomes. Yeah. Got uh, male chromosomes there with uh, Leah Thomas. Gonads. Now, again, I try not to look too closely at the picture, but I'm going to assume that one is correct as well. Internal reproductive structures. We know those are all male. 
for Leah Thomas. Hormone ratios. Now, there is an adjustment that she's try, uh, Leah Thomas has tried to make with uh, different, I guess, hormone treatments and stuff to change that. Uh, we've been over this before. I'm not going to necessarily go into uh, the details once again. Uh, but, you know, obviously you grow up your entire life with the testosterone and hormone levels of a, a man. You grow up differently. Your body changes in ways that men's bodies change. And if at the last possible second you take a couple pills and, and hormone treatments and act as if this is totally different, well, that's just not enough. Again, even if that was completely changed, still four of the five secondary characteristics and five of the six main characteristics are all male for Leah Thomas. Finally, we have the secondary uh, uh, characteristics. And let's go through some of those. What are secondary sex characteristics? Do you know? Well, let's see if we can figure out which way Leah Thomas goes on these. Chest or abdominal abdominal hair. Uh, Now, I... I, you know, you're, you're a swimmer, you're shaving, that really doesn't apply here. Uh, the hair on other body parts. Again, we don't have any information on that particularly. But again, I, I, you know, we all know that when he was a man, he had those. As a swimmer, probably shaved a lot of it. Facial hair, same story. Larger hands and feet than women. Did you see the pictures of Leah Thomas? Looked like he maybe a little bit taller, a little bit broader shoulders. Broad chest and shoulders, again. Do you notice the difference? What is Leah Thomas? This is for male again, by the way, of course. Skull and bone size are denser and heavier. I don't really know that much about that one. High muscle mass and physical strength. We know for a fact, of course, Leah Thomas is a man as far as that goes. Deep voice, very prominent Adam's apple. We've played clips of her interviews, and uh, they don't sound like her interviews. Uh, Fat deposits around the waist and abdomen. Swimmer, I mean, it's a great exercise. Probably not going to have too much of that. Rough and coarse, but that is a good thing for me, though. I can use that as an excuse. Sorry, honey, I'm a guy. I have fat deposits around the waist and abdomen. Nothing I can do about it. That's just, that's just me being incredibly manly. Um, rough and coarse skin texture. I doubt he has the soft and supple skin that you might imagine. And in males, the ring finger is usually longer than the index finger, which I kind of thought was a myth, but who knows? I guess that's true as well. It is on mine. Uh, breast enlargement for females. Doesn't have that, does he? No. An average lower height in females as opposed to male. Well, we know he has a higher height. Female hips are wider instead of their shoulders. No, 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 no. Uh, less uh, facial hair, of course. Mammary glands begin to work. Have his mammary glands started to work yet? Can we check that? Can we get a ruling on that? Okay, we'll get that down here in just a second. Um, some of these don't apply. Smoother and softer skin. I don't know. I just don't picture it. And uh, the, the, the finger thing again. So uh, as you can see here, If you go down the list of six, all of them would indicate that Leah Thomas is a man. Secondary characteristics, breakdown of a list of about 25 things, anyone we have information on would tell you that he is a man. But we're still supposed to say that he is a woman. So this is beyond science. This is way beyond science. It's even beyond the sort of common sense observation that we all need. And it's really the only thing we need to figure out if someone is a man or a woman. Even when you go down uh, their extensive list of how you figure this out, the list used to defend the Leah Thomases of the world, even then you would determine that Leah Thomas is a man. Again, that's because she is. 
And yes, I said that intentionally that way. Okay, Um, Sarah Richardson, she's a Harvard scholar, historian and philosopher of biology. Now we have an actual scientist here, okay? Uh, This is a biologist, kind of like what Katanji Brown Jackson hatefully said could actually answer this question. And what could, now again, this is applying to the law, right? It's not necessarily her opinion. It's not necessarily what she feels. Katanji Brown Jackson is trying to be a Supreme Court uh, justice. So what does she feel? Uh, but well, how would it apply to the law? Here's what the biologist actually said in the article, by the way, attacking the conservative position about this topic. While U.S. law remains an unsettled arena for con- the conceptualization and definition of sex, it frequently grounds sex categorization in biological evidence and reasoning. So in other words, the biologist is saying, use biology. At least that's what the law does. Yet we're supposed to be the haters here. Uh, every uh, expert in here uh, has some sort of uh, uh, lean toward the left, uh, of course. The category of women has been long politically contested, the article says. Black women, uh, according to a professor of gender studies at UCLA, again, where else do you go? You're getting all crazy liberals answering these questions because only a crazy liberal would be a professor of gender studies. This might be a problem conservatives actually legitimately need to address. We may need to work pretty hard to get some conservatives or at least moderates, sane people into this field, because every time they look for answers, they go to people like this. That's kind of a problem. Um, this, listen to the, the horrible reasoning here. The category of women has long been politically contested. Black women, she says, were not always welcomed in the category. For example, while the 19th Amendment granted women the right to vote, for decades, many black women were excluded from exercising it. That's... That is a really wrong thing that we all agree was really wrong and, by the way, has been solved for a really long time. But I will say this. The reason that they were not able to vote after that ruling was not because they they weren't women. It's because they were black. Our country was very, very uh, misled and wrong about those things at that time. And thankfully, those things have been long overcome. But, like, it had nothing to do with them being women. It had to do with them being African-American. That was the problem there, uh, and a very big problem, by the way. Um, Williams uh, also said um, she could look back at the area in the 1970s when the Equal Rights Amendment battle was going on, and they say, they summarized the argument of the conservatives, saying that they believed women's roles as homemakers were fundamental to how the category of woman was defined. In other words, if women ceased acting like women, they would cease being women. That is just blatantly false. No one said, oh, well, if you're not a homemaker, then you don't qualify as a woman. No one's no one was saying that they might want you to be a homemaker, but no one was like, oh, now you're a dude. You're working. No one thought that they turned magically into a man when they didn't when they weren't in the kitchen. That's not how that worked. Again, there are lots of problems with some of the opinions of old timey America, but that was not one of them. They weren't mysteriously faked into thinking uh, that that people who did not stay home and cook dinner every night were men. That was not what they thought. Sexism might have brought problems, but it wasn't that problem. Uh, Lots of people are assigned male at birth have higher testosterone levels, and could never make a Division I swimming team, said Kate Mason, a gender studies professor at Wheaton College. I mean, this is like a 
If I was going to come up with a bit and just name the most crazy liberal colleges in America, I've listed them all. That's basically what I've done here. Again, we do need more conservative experts in these fields. I know it's annoying. I know you're going to be disappointed in your kid if they grow up to do this, but it's probably necessary at this point. Um, and yes, this is a terrible point that I hear people making all the time on this issue. Just because you have high testosterone levels does not mean you could defeat uh, the best swim female swimmers in the world. I couldn't. I couldn't go in. I, none of us could. No one that I know who works at the Blaze could go beat uh, a, a top-notch female swimmer. The issue is that mediocre male swimmers can do that. Mediocre male swimmers like Leah Thomas. I don't remember the, the, his name before. Was it Brian? I can't remember. But whatever it was, when he was on the male Penn's swimming team, he was a mediocre guy. He was, he was on the team. He was a pretty good swimmer. But he was not a champion. Now... He's an NCAA champion on the women's side. That's the problem. It's not that every man, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't outdo an Olympic sprinter. But if I was a, an Olympic sprinter that was finishing in 12th or 15th place, you're damn right I could beat the top. I could, I could win gold every year. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Um, and, of course, it ranges down just because, uh, you know, uh, you're knocking women off of teams. And that's important as well. Um, experts say there can be standards for legal sex classification, but no one can legislate science. That line really hit me hard. Is that true? No one can legislate science. God, what were they doing with the mask mandates all this time? What were they doing with the vaccine mandates all this time? Gosh, I kind of feel like the last two years have been nothing but legislating science. Are you kidding me? After the last two years, they put that line in a freaking story. I, I can't even, I, I honestly can't even take it. You're going to tell me you can't legislate science now? All you've been telling me is that you can legislate science for the past two years. You kept all of our biz buildings closed. You kept all of us out of work. You, uh, you masked our kids in school. You forced people who don't want to take vaccines to take vaccines. And now you're telling me you can't legislate science I don't know if this article could possibly be any crazier, but I appreciate you letting me rant about it. So uh, Joe Manchin is now communicating to his Democratic colleagues that, you know what, maybe I can vote for one of those big spending bills. You know, what it may, let me describe to you exactly what I want. And basically, it's a bunch of money toward climate and some other measures, not some of the bigger ticket items that the Democrats initially wanted, but something in the area of between 500 billion and 1.5 trillion dollars uh, of spending a lot of it on climate issues. Again, Joe Biden or Joe Manchin will not save you. This is not something you should depend on. I've never I've never been the guy who's going to tell you. Don't worry, Joe Manchin's got your back. He doesn't, but he is aware at least enough about his own political future and his own state's dynamics that he will oppose the worst things that happen on the Democratic side. And so eventually they will probably come to some sort of agreement. I've said this 100,000 times on the show. I just don't believe the Democratic Party seeing what they see in front of them, which is destruction in this election, is going to leave a trillion dollars on the table that they can pass with only Democrats. They will eventually figure out what, where they want to spend that trillion dollars. They're not going to just let it sit there. 
and we'll see if we'll see if I'm right on that. I, that's kind of what I believe. Might be 500 billion, might be 1.5 trillion, but it's going to be somewhere in that vicinity, and they're going to spend this money eventually. Manchin also saying now that he will vote for Katanji Brown Jackson. Not a surprise at all uh, there. Speaking of the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas is under fire as he exits the hospital, which, by the way, is the best news of the day. Clarence Thomas out of the hospital. Uh, but his wife, Ginny Thomas, who is a conservative activist and has been for a very long time, uh, is in trouble because uh, some of her texts are in the investigation for January 6th. And she appears to be talking to Mark Meadows about overturning the election. People getting very upset about this. Why? Well, uh, they don't because they don't care what Ginny Thomas says at all. They only care about Clarence Thomas. They want to smear Clarence Thomas by bashing the opinions of his wife, which I kind of thought was the sort of sexism the Democrats said they wanted to stop. You don't just assign one spouse's views to the other spouse. They're actual individuals with their own brains. But no, apparently that's not the way this works anymore. Um, And at one point it actually mentions Glenn in here. I thought you might want to hear this part. Uh, talking about the uh, Ginny Thomas, November 22nd, Trump gave his blessing for Giuliani and another Trump lawyer, Jenna Ellis, to issue a statement claiming that Powell is not a member of the Trump legal team. Thomas reached out to Meadows with that day with concern, trying to understand the Sidney Powell um, distancing. She doesn't have anything, or at least she won't share, that, share it if she does, Meadows texted back. Wow, Thomas replied. Meadows did not respond. On November 24th, Thomas engaged Meadows again by sharing a video from Parler, a conservative social media website, that appeared to refer to conservative commentator Glenn Beck. Quote, if you, have, if you all cave to the elites, you have to know that many of your 73 million feel like what Glenn is expressing, Thomas wrote. Uh, she said Trump risked his supporters growing in, uh, disenchanted to the point of walking away from politics. Me included, she wrote. I think I'm done with politics and I don't think I'm alone, Mark. So there you go. They're trying to, you know, this is they don't care what Ginny Thomas says or texts to Mark Meadows. They only care about Clarence Thomas in this particular circumstance. And they're trying to use, uh, you know, texts, uh, you know, months and months or I guess years now uh, after the fact to try to act as if Clarence Thomas was changing his decisions based on his wife's texts. It's completely bonkers, and I thought was the type of stuff that they said you weren't supposed to do. But again, I don't think any of their positions make sense these days. They're getting farther and farther to the left. Uh, They're getting farther and farther down the crazy road. And I don't know that there's a lot to defend some of these positions. Let me give you an example. Gun control is a good one. The gun control, they come at you and they say, hey, we, uh, we know what the, the shall not be infringed thing. Just let's ignore that for a couple of minutes and talk about infringing, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to ban things. We're going to get rid of gun accessories. We're going to, t- you know, change the magazine sizes. We're going to do all these things that, um, uh, that don't, you know, vibe very well with the Second Amendment, which is really, really clear. Shall not be infringed is not like... It's not hard to figure out. It's pretty clear. You can't do this stuff. Now, we've seen both sides of the aisle violate the Second Amendment in this way. And one example of this was Donald Trump when he was in office after the Las Vegas shooting, basically single-handedly banned bump stocks, which you know, um, some will tell you uh, changed the way a, uh, you know, an AR-15 um, uh, shoots and, and turns it into a machine gun is what they always say. Now, of course, this is kind of ridiculous, um, but also you can't stop it if you want. You want to you amend the Constitution to say, if we really want to infringe, we can. Well, go ahead and do it. Try. But until you do it, you can't do this stuff. 
Anyway, they banned those. And many people at the time pointed out, gun experts that we had on said, hey, you know, you can do the same thing with your belt loop. Like, this is not, this is silly to ban bump stocks. Well, we have the newest bump stock now. These are called, uh, they're tiny Glock switches that, the, that Vice is, um, is, uh, is talking about. Uh, they're involved auto sears or switches. They are the size of a thimble that you can put on a handgun and it turns them into automatic firing weapons. So tell, explain to me exactly how you're going to ban thimbles and belt loops. How are you going to do that? See, here's the thing. Even though it's unconstitutional, we'll put that aside for a second to point out the fact that even if you did these things, it wouldn't work. It doesn't work. These things are nonsensical. You're telling me you're going to ban thimbles? I don't think that's going to happen. But you might be able to ban uh, nuclear weapons from places like North Korea, right? They can't. Oh, no, they've got them. They've got them, too. Uh, North Korea does have nuclear weapons, as we know. They just tested a new ICBM. And after testing that ICBM, they decided to release a video about it. And I have to show it to you because it's completely ridiculous. By the way, go ahead. Uh, This is real. This is like you've got the dramatic music. You've got the fast to slow motion shots. You've got the walking in slow motion shots. And Kim Jong-un in his leather jacket pointing at things because that's what he does in every video and every picture. He's always pointing at something. There he is, pointing at something else. It's two things he's pointed pointed to. This is like the Pointer Brothers. Uh, If you've ever watched that sketch, you know what I'm talking about. Here he is again. Now he's looking at his watch. Oh, yeah. Now he's looking at his watch, too. What time should we let this missile roll forward out of the garage? Uh, Well, let's zoom in with some really quick cuts. And, oh, my gosh, take the sunglasses off. Give me the dramatic nod. And then the missile isn't fired. It just comes out of the garage. No, but they give the thumbs up and the point. Just remember, always point, 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 point to everything you need to be done. That's how you get to be a good dictator. Point at the things you want. Back in a second. All right, your reviews are coming in. We have over 5,000 five-star reviews now. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And subscribe. Please click uh, subscribe right now if you don't mind taking a moment. This one comes in. Okay, so here's what happened. I listened to this stupid show to hurt other podcasts. It's great. Whatever. That's what we do here. We don't just give five stars to help my podcast. No, no. We do it to hurt other podcasts. It's sort of like podcast terrorism. That's what we do here at Stu Does America. Michelle writes on YouTube, I wish DeSantis was around with this bill about financial literacy 40 years ago. It's wonderful and about time. Very, very true. Uh, Another one from YouTube. This is an unfortunate comment by me. What's the difference between Oprah's body shape and bathtub shape? That's just not, that's not nice. Uh, But uh, thank you. I appreciate it. The man is spitting fire. Thank you. And theology on tap. This is effing gloriously based dude. Second video Stu I've ever seen, but this is two for two. That's right. A lot of people call me number two. Uh, I think it's an insult typically, but that's uh, not in this particular case. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. We do appreciate it when you do that. And on YouTube, get all the episodes right there available for your listening pleasure. Back in a second. Okay. So here's what happened. 2013, an insane woman and her husband moved to, from London to Ghana. And while they were in Ghana, she was walking down the street and she saw a little bird 
about a month old, on the ground, abandoned by his flock, nest blown from a mango tree. His eyes were tightly shut. He was shuddering, too young to survive alone. So this woman did what any normal person would do, which was allow, allow a baby bird to nest in her hair for 84 days. Now, obviously, this is insane. Anything over 73 days of a bird nesting in your hair is completely nuts. And we all know it, of course. Uh, she went on, and I, I will say this. No one's speaking up for the bird in this situation. If you had to live in hair for 84 days, that would probably be really bad. But imagine hair that couldn't really be washed for 84 days. Imagine what was going on there. I mean, I would leave if I could, too. Eventually, uh, the bird did leave and lived a better life. Um, became Big Bird. That's the end of the story. That's the Big Bird life story. Okay, VeepThoughts.com is a place to go to share your favorite Kamala Harris clips. We will see you on Monday.